Hi, guys. Welcome to the How I Raised It podcast, the show where you get an inside, unfiltered look at how real entrepreneurs raise capital for their businesses. I'm your host, Nathan Beckard, and today's episode is with Bijou Ashokan, a Radius agent, a platform that makes a set of tools and a social network that helps real estate agents build their businesses. We talk about how and why you should position yourself as an industry expert when pitching VCs, how to use feedback loops as a way to meet investors and build relationships with them, tips for building out your team, and much more. If you're tuning into this podcast to learn how to raise capital for your business, I've created a super valuable free welcome package for you. It includes a list of 2,500 investors who don't require a warm intro, plus 200 questions that investors are going to ask you. So this is really going to help you get ready to raise capital. To get instant access to this, please leave us a nice review in the Apple iTunes store. Hit all the stars. Leave us a nice comment or two. And then email us at info at foundersuite.com and we will send that to you right away. Last but not least, if you enjoy this conversation and think someone else would too, please share it with them. Hit that subscribe button to get all our latest episodes. Thank you. Now sit back and enjoy this chat with Bijou. Welcome to How I Raised It, the podcast that goes behind the scenes with entrepreneurs who've raised capital. We uncover the tips, tricks, and techniques they use to get investors to write a check. Strap in and turn it up. Hi, welcome to another episode of How I Raised It, produced by Foundersuite.com. Today, I have Bijou Ashokan of Radius Agent coming to us from South the Market in San Francisco. How's your day going? Good. Uh, we don't have a heat wave here, so let's hope we're in a safe city. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nice. I'm seeing Midwest friends posting temperatures where it's like 110 and the, the low is like 87, you know? <laughs> it's yeah. Like, oh, um that's painful and that's one of the things i love about the bay area is you can kind of pick your microclimate right i went went out sailing with a buddy on sunday it was about mid 50s on the bay with some fog he had come from cloverdale where it was 102 so just within an hour's drive you know we've got a 50 degree spread which is kind of cool (laughs) you can you can pick your climate yeah exactly Excellent. Well, let's uh, jump right into it. What is Radius Agent? Uh, Radius is a new age modern real estate brokerage. Uh, we're trying to bring that uh, Uber's kind of system to real estate agents where we we give all the tools and services that agents need, including making them a, a unique brand, building their business, providing them with all the tools and services so that they don't have to think about doing things that they don't like doing and they can just focus on selling, which they're good at. And our goal is to build at least 30,000 brands in the in the next three or four years uh, of real estate agents, because I think that's a big shift happening in real estate agents too. 10 years ago, if you want to buy a property, you would probably look up Keller Williams or Coldwell Banker and talk to agents there. But now you would pick the best agent in your neighborhood because that agent has built a good brand on his or her own. So that shift is happening. So we want to kind of power that and make that faster. Now, are these agents independent agents or are they, they're working at a Coldwell Bank or, or similar, but they're just, they're kind of, you know, building their own brand under the Coldwell brand as well? Or how? They, or yeah, they, they're both. Uh, even the really good agents who work on work under larger firms, uh, they want to build their own brand. So they've started thinking about it now, and especially during COVID, that they don't go to their offices. 
they're anyway doing everything on their own. So they're probably questioning themselves now, like, why can't I build my own brand? So kind of what Shopify did to merchants, Uber did to drivers, like every industry is going through the same wave. And I think it's heterosexual now too. Is the intent to allow people who, you know, real estate agents who work at Coldwell to go off on their own, or is it more to just do a better job at their current? It's the financial structure, right? Like if you work in a large franchise, you pay a commission to them every time you close a deal. So obviously those large companies are optimizing for those commissions. Uh, so they want to keep the agents as much as possible under their brand. But the agents can easily go build their own brand and start keeping all of their commissions. So we have that financial structure where we say you just pay us a subscription and a flat fee. And it doesn't matter if you sell a property for $10 million or 200000 you still pay us the same amount because the support we give is the same. And what is that support? What's involved here? What are you providing? Uh, we help with branding. We help with marketing. So we, uh, it's, it's a vertically integrated software where they get access to all their brand designs, marketing designs, which we help in designing. And all the CRM website and all the tech that they need uh, is also given in a suite of tools. We have transaction coordination services. We have concierge services. We have managing broker support. Uh, we have 24-7 chat support if they need anything. Uh, and now we are also getting into financials. So we have our own mortgage company and we offer mortgage support too. And we also have cash offers, buy before you sell programs, all of these given through partnerships. So for an agent, they don't need to think about anything, right? Like they have everything in one click. Uh, you're providing a lot of things that I, I'm not a real estate agent, never have been, but I'm assuming you're providing a lot of things that maybe the, the Coldwell Banker parent company w used to provide or does provide in a little more than what they provide because most of those companies have a high cost structure. So they, it stops them from giving a lot of these things. Uh, and they, and they, they old school businesses and they, they have their own ways of doing things. And we've kind of innovating on how each of them can be provided in a different newer to the product. Interesting. Okay. All right. What's the backstory? Are you a former real estate agent who saw a better, better way or, or what? Yeah. So I've been, this is my second prop tech uh, startup. The first one was called Metro Plots and we specialized in selling properties uh, international uh, to locals here. And in the process, I kind of figured out what tools my team needed and what services my team needed and just asked that question. Like, should I just, do I, does this business have a future or can this be given at a much larger scale so that there are no more brick and mortar brokerages? And that's how I transitioned to radius. Now, forgive me, this might be a dumb question, but like Zillow and Redfin and those guys are sort of online services, but I feel like they're also, is, are they just making a kind of a, a matchmaking service for brokers? Because I feel like when I go look at houses, there's always a dozen agents that they're sort of like recommending or offering. Is that just marketing that they're doing? Yes, spot on. Uh, so agents pay to place their ads in each of those pages. Uh, so it's kind of a bidding software and that's their main revenue model, but it is matchmaking. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. And when did you guys launch? Uh, we launched the product six years ago. Oh. Uh, we started off as a social network for real estate agents. Uh, oh. So we have over 90,000 agents using our product in the, com in the country. 
And that was our freemium model. And then we launched the referral network and we started launching tools one by one until we built that entire suite of tools so that we can turn our brokerage switch on. And now we have our brokerage in seven states, California, Colorado, Washington, Florida, Texas, Georgia, and uh, Oregon. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. And was what was the motivation for the pivot? Was it just, hey, you saw something more lucrative or was the social oh, no. networks not this, kind of working? Yeah. This was always the intention. Uh, I mean, I always knew from day one that uh, cost of acquisition is going to be a big challenge in running a brokerage. Uh, so you need to build a way to get agents interested through the product and organically. And that's why we built the social network and try to drum up mm. usage there. Got it. Cool. Um, is this market is kind of weird, right? We've had such a long bull run in real estate and I think pockets around the country are still really doing well, but now with interest rates, like how's that affect, how's the macro environment affect your business? Is it good or bad for you? <laughs> the number of transactions per agent has definitely dropped this quarter. Uh, but we are recruiting agents a lot because this is a perfect model for agents to join because they keep hundred percent of their commission and if they're selling fewer properties, they'd rather keep more of their commissions. So our business model is getting a lot of traction in terms of getting new agents. So our overall number of transactions is going up because we're getting more agents to join us, but the average transactions per agent is slightly dipped. That's interesting. It also feels like there's been a bull run, like in just, and this is just anecdotal, but like, I know tons of people who've decided to become real estate agents because it's been such a booming market now with things slowing down a little bit. Like, does that, is that changing at all? Do you, are you uh, seeing any signals canary in the coal mine? Of yeah. I mean, it usually happens, right? Like every five years, uh, there's a lot of people who think they can be real estate agents very easily and they do make money in the first two, three years. And then when the market dips that they question their career <laughs> and they move out of being a real estate agent to some other sales person uh, but that's happening now in the market the number of agents uh, is going down and the ones that survive are the ones that really know how to do this well yeah right are you uh, this is a corny this is a joke question <laughs> I'll put it out there but are you uh, allowing agents to purchase space on the bus stop uh, bus stop ads can I run can I plaster my face on bus stops around the town through See, yeah, the type of brokerage we are building, we, we don't really uh, advise them on what to do. Whatever works best in each neighborhood, we encourage them to do whatever works for them. But if they need designs, we make it for them and we give it to them, right? So we just want to be a, make them a better version of who they are. Like, you might be a really good agent in Marin doing those bus stop ads, and there could be another agent who crutches it in Google ads and Facebook ads. But both of you need to, like, you have your own strategies. Just tell us what you need and we'll we get it done for you. Got it. Interesting. Okay, cool. Let's talk about raising money for this. How much have you guys raised and over how many rounds? Uh, we've done a pre-seed, seed, and we just closed a Series A over the last five years. Uh, the, the last round was close to a 14 million round. Cool. And, and we hadn't, so... We hadn't raised a lot in the previous two rounds. Uh, the, seed, the seed round was 4 million and the pre-seed was about two. 
Great. And were those both angels or? Um, or no, we, we, have, we actually have a really good set of investors. We have Pete Flint, who is a founder of Trulia. We have Spencer, who is the founder of Zillow. So we have the two big names. <laughs> uh, and we have a lot of PropTech uh, founders too, like the Roofstock founder. And then in terms of, uh, Pete Flint is uh, a partner at a firm called NFX. So it's a pretty large investing firm. And then we have Sierra Ventures, we have Coda Capital, Crosscut, AngelPad. All these are institutional investors. So pretty big on PropTech. Yeah, let's talk about getting, I think this is every, every founder's dream is getting investors who are also very strategic, like yeah. Xzillow, Xtrilio, whatever. Um, how did you get in front of those guys and, and tell us about raising from, from those folks? Uh, it's a lot of networking. Uh, when I moved to this country the second time to start Radius, I didn't know a lot of investors. So we went through this amazing accelerator program called AngelPad okay. in New York. Mm-hmm. And they had a demo day, and that, that demo day was very, very important to me because all my investors came from there. Uh, so our first set of investors were all from the demo day, Sierra Ventures, Coda Capital. Uh, and then from there on, it's just networking, right? Like you just constantly meet people. So you, even yesterday, I had a call with one of our investors saying, hey, can you introduce me to these two other investors? I'm not fundraising right now, but you keep trying to meet and and network and that's how I met Pete Flynn uh, and we spoke uh, like after the first time we spoke it took about three three to six months for us to raise money from Pete Flynn from NFX uh, because we were showing him progress and then Pete introduced me to Spencer and then that happened in like a three to four months so it's all about networking. So Angel Pet that's still around I remember um... I remember them from years ago. They were kind of one of the early accelerators. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize they were still around. So that's exciting to hear. And when did you do that? Uh, six years ago. Oh, okay. Are they still around? Or is it still? Yeah, it's still around. Okay, good. And they, they invest a lot now too. Their check size is gone up. <laughs> oh, all right. You said something just a second ago. It's kind of interesting. You're, you're asking or getting intros to investors, even when you're not fundraising. You know, what's your... How do you do that? What's your messaging like connected so, to investors? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the reason behind why I do that, and this is probably true in multiple other industries too. Uh, we often assume that when we are fundraising, that the investors know everything about your industry. They don't. Uh, so you, your, your probability of success in that meeting is actually a, a lot to do with how much they know about your industry. So it's always better to keep meeting them and explaining about your company and the industry so that you kind of build up to a point where they have made a decision too on what they want to invest in. So, so walk us through sort of educating investors. What, what are sort of, you know, step-by-step, step, like what are you, how are you doing that? What's in the first meeting? What's in the second meeting? What are you, what are you doing? Yeah, the first meeting is usually about explaining the industry, like and where the macro uh, indicators are, like where it's headed. So within real estate, it's very important to explain why uh, most companies uh, that have been around for a really long time are probably not innovating fast enough. And in five years, you kind of want to paint a picture of where real estate will be. Uh, And then you kind of go into explaining why we are building the right thing for that that world, right? Uh, And then you start uh, giving numbers, like this is our current number, and then we we try to uh, 
our goal is to get to this number by the six months or one year or whatever. And then keep giving them updates every three, three months to six months. And you'd be surprised, like most people just say, hey, would love to jump on a call with you, right? Like when you start seeing those updates. Cool, cool, cool. Um, yeah, that's good, that's good. And, but you go in saying, we're not raising money now, we are, I'm just, I mean, how do you approach them? Like, in other words, why do you, what, what's your sort of saying, I wanna to talk to you because, fill in the blank. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you actually say the same thing and you say very clearly, you're not raising now, but would like to start a relationship with you. Uh, and partners usually like that because there is no pressure now and they're a lot more honest about feedback uh, instead of just hearing you're too early and, and like, you know, <laughs> those usual things that they say, but they when you start this way, they don't actually give you uh, the usual responses. They actually give you critical feedback. Right. And some investors might have already met other companies in the industry and they're very open in giving this information to you too. So that's useful. You, you kind of get that data from them. Like very recently, I'm not going to name which investor, but we uh, sat next to each other in a flight and I was telling them, uh, telling him what I do. And he immediately opened his laptop, like opens Slack and reports. And he gave me, our competition's data, uh, and it's great. Like I didn't, I didn't know him at all. But it, it's just that when you have a very casual conversation with investors, they're very open with data. Do you ever? Do you get any of them saying, "I'm really busy. Contact me when you're actually fundraising," or, or most yeah. of them pretty open to? Uh, yeah. I've actually never heard that. When I'm not fundraising, they're not busy. <laughs> I've heard that when they fund, when we're fundraising. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Cool. What other kind of, you know, either language or approaches do you have? Because I, I love this. We're always telling our customers, our customers are all raising capital and founders wait. And I'm always telling them, start this process early, build these relationships yeah. way in advance. So what other either tactics or, or language or things do, have you employed? <laughs> yeah, be very open and position your conversation around getting feedback. Right they do know a lot of things because they see st startups pitching to them day in, day out. So they have a lot of data. So go with the approach of, I'm going to learn something from this call from this investor, right? As opposed to, I know everything and I'm just going to give all my information that I know to this person. You can actually ask a lot of questions and they can give you a lot of information, which is really useful. I was going to ask, do you have some standard questions you like to ask pretty much all, every investor during these getting to know you meetings? Yeah, so I usually ask a lot of macro questions of where it's headed. Like you see a lot of FinTech, uh, like in my world, there's a lot of uh, investors invest in FinTech. So I ask a lot of questions about where mortgage is headed. And I'm always open to changing or like adding more business revenue models. Uh, so I can try and understand where their interest is and what the macro is telling us. And yeah, I mainly stick to that as feedback. And then once I start pitching our business, then I ask them for feedback. What do you think, right? Like, do you think this is the right thing uh, for the future? And immediately they, they say, yeah, we've heard two, three companies do the same thing, but what you do here is unique or something like that. And so we know what our value prop is to. Do you try and get Intel on competitors or only when it's sort of organically offered, like the guy on the flight? 
Uh, yeah, but usually, yeah, I don't know if, what it is. Like usually when I have conversations, they just tell me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't ask. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's probably the way I speak or whatever. But it just they just most of them like if they know info, they tell me. Do you ever worry that you know your your conversations are going the oh. other direction to your competitors? Well, surely, like I'm, I'm pretty sure this conversation goes to someone else too. But I don't. Yeah. I'm not worried about that because every day, like as like you, you're a founder and you'd know this. Every day things change in a startup. Like your data today is outdated data in like two weeks. Uh, so it doesn't matter. Like it's it's the the success is a pure function of how fast you take this data and make some quick decisions and turn the wheel, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. I, I don't care about competitors at all. I mean, I, I think people do some sort of get in the trap of obsessing about it. And in some cases it matters, but like, yeah, I think it's more of a distraction or a, I don't want to say cancer, but it can be kind of a cancer, right? If you're always obsessing about competitors and not focused on your yeah. own. So anyway. Yeah, three three years ago, the names that I was thinking of in terms of competition are not around anymore. So, like, if I had worried back then, <laughs> like, it's a waste of time that I was worrying. Right? Yeah, good point. I like that. That's actually good context. Um, great. So, when you know you just did a Series A, and so let's talk about this relationship building process. So, you know, did you start this sort of relationship building process with the Series fourth Series A, and how many sort of venture funds or people did you sort of court in this manner um you know six months ago yeah it's gotten relatively easier the seed round uh when i raised i had probably like 60 to 70 meetings before i could get a first check the the next round uh we so the pre-seed was that and the seed round we probably had like 20 to 30 meetings and the last round was probably the easiest so far we probably had like five to 10 meetings and we, so it is getting easier as we grow. And is that a function of the business is just doing really well or just that you've kind of honed in on just the right investors? Cause those it's, are pretty small numbers actually of how many meetings I usually see more than that. Yeah. It's, it's been, the last one is knock on wood pretty easy uh, because I think it's both to answer your question. Right? It's a function of the business doing well. And at the same time, I think we had the right people on board, like Pete and Spencer. So when they endorse us, it becomes a lot easier. That's another reason why you want to have the right investors in your cap table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about NFX. They're sort of an interesting fund, firm fund. Um, They're all about the network effects, right? So I guess what's the network effect component to the business or how did you pitch that or, yeah. Yeah, so uh, if you remember, I said that we had a social network uh, and that was very key to, to raising money from NFX because we probably the, even now the only ones, only brokerage that has this outside network of agents. So even if you work for a Keller Williams or a Compass or a Side or whoever, you're using our product anyway and as a free product. And then you kind of upgrade to joining a brokerage and that's a very unique model. And because it's that, social network and a community feature agents invite other agents so there's an in, ingrained network effect going uh-huh. on mm-hmm. got it yeah that makes sense when pitching nfx do you really like put that as a big part of the pitch maybe more so than with other funds 
the whole network? Uh, yeah, that, that's one way to, it's, it's a way to get the meeting. Uh, and it's also a good way to start explaining why your uh, acquisition cost, cost of acquisition is low. But I think for me, the important factor was Pete Flint. And because of his experience in Trulia, he knows what works and what doesn't work. And when we pitched the idea of what we're trying to build and why it's new, he agreed, right? Like, so that agreeing to that was, I think, an important factor to getting in FX. Any other just um, advice on, you know, approaching or, or what the, the trigger points are for any of the other investors, like Sierra or Coda, like what's their, the magic formula for those guys, anything? So Sierra came in at the pre-seed level. Uh, and I think in hindsight, they just bet on the founder at, at seed level. And I think that that stage, I think good investors, they just see how good the founder is or like how good the founding team is. Uh, and I think that should be your approach when you raise the first, like your, your main goal in a pre-seed or seed round meeting should be to establish the fact that you are the right person to run this company and you're the right person to make hard decisions if whatever you're pitching right now doesn't work out. Do you remember what your pitch was on that? Like, again, kind of complete the sentence, I'm the right person for this because... Yeah. So, I mean, you don't actually explicitly say that, but sure, sure. you kind of explain the industry so well to them that they think that you know a lot, right? Uh, and my first pitch was, we want to build the largest uh, virtual brokerage. That was my first slide in my very first presentation. Uh, and I've stuck to that same goal seven years, six years later now. Yeah, but obviously the, the, the road to that goal has changed quite a few times, right? Like you take different paths to get there. Uh, but I think that's that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Like how soon can you change paths to get to that goal? But the goal has to be pretty solid. Yeah, I like it. Excellent. Um, cool. I will. I won't keep you too much longer. I think we've touched on a lot of stuff. But any. This is the question I always like to ask. Any advice you would give your younger self about fundraising if you were doing this all over again or any other just general advice you like to give startup founders, newer, maybe newer founders, anything? Yeah, so I would definitely, uh, my, I've come to a meeting today, I was trying to say this to someone that your success of a startup is completely a function of how good your team is. Mm -hmm. And I think in the beginning, you try to optimize for, I can do most things myself and let's raise a little bit and then keep chugging along. But I think it's very important to be able to afford good talent, like simple questions like, uh, if you wanna hire someone in marketing, I have someone I can pay 80,000 or I can pay someone 120 or 150. Look for the higher quality people and raise accordingly, right? Like don't raise for 80,000. You might get someone amazing for 80,000, but but don't raise for 80,000. So if you think you know too you need 2 million, you probably need three or four. Because most founders try to reduce that expense, the payroll expense, thinking I can do those things. I don't need a middle management. I know that's, that's probably my biggest learning in the last five years. You need a good set of leaders in your team. Yeah, that's, that's a hard one too, because I think it's also, as startups, we're frugal, we're cheap, we're scrappy, and... And I think we've even Federal Street, we've probably underpaid and probably could yeah. have 
Yeah, no, it's hard, hard to break out of that sometimes because it also, you know, I think a lot of start raise too much, spend yeah. too much and go out of business in big flames, exactly. right? <laughs> yeah, there's a good balance, right? Uh, but we've, we've grown fastest when we had a really good leadership team in the middle. Uh, and I wish I had known that six years ago, but it was like just me and my co-founder and everyone else below. But now we have a proper hierarchy and that really helps. How did you, any tips for building that team? Because I think that is also that, that transition from founders doing it all to like having a management team. What was, what was, what was the secret to cracking that nut? Just spend a lot of time trying to recruit the right person, right? Like don't recruit in a hurry, uh, do a lot of vetting. And I always look for, obviously the, the basic factor, the basic condition is qualification criteria is to see if they have worked in a successful project before, it doesn't need to be a successful startup or even a successful project in a startup. That for me was an important thing. And if they've seen growth and witnessed growth, they know what works and what doesn't work. And that's important too. Uh, don't go after logos and brand names. Just after that, just ask them a lot of questions and see how they respond to uh, adverse conditions, right? Like ask them really challenging questions. Make it look like your company is going to be a lot of hard work and see how they react to those questions. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Any other just general advice or anything about fundraising that we haven't covered that you'd like to share? Uh, always be fundraising. <laughs> always be uh, fundraising. Are you already thinking ahead towards the B? And is yeah. that changes? Like, I don't think I've had a single week where I haven't thought about fundraising in the last seven years. So you constantly think about who do we meet next and how can we get an introduction? And Do you have like a, and I'd be impressed if you do, but do you have like a discipline of like, hey, I've, I've got a goal of meeting two investors a week or some, some anything metric like that? Yeah, so I have this matrix that I follow like, to do, to delegate. And there's always a, a quadrant which says, what am I doing for fundraising? Yeah. How many, how many investors do you think you meet a month, maybe, in between fundraising? Easily three or four. Uh, mm -hmm. Meetings every month. I try to have a meeting a week. But even if I'm not meeting, I'm trying to like send reports to people and see if I can stay in touch with the ones I've met in the past. Very cool. All right. Well, if people want to learn more, it's radiusagent.com, correct? Yes. Great. Anything you want to give plug or give a shout out to or anything? No, we're good. Uh, we also have a Radius Mortgage uh, website. So it's radius-mortgage.com. Okay, cool. All right, Bijou, thank you. This is interesting. Um, pretty cool stuff. And uh, it's, uh, it's a neat business. Good idea. So. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> and thanks for this opportunity. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you, sir. Over now. Bye. Bye.